Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 32 of the Fitness Devil Podcast. Today's guest is Holly Baxter. So Holly is a has a Master's of Dietetics and she works with a lot of nutrition and fitness competitors in the industry. We'll tell you more about her soon. Um, we talk about how she sets herself apart from a lot of what's out there in the fitness industry in the Instagram realm as she's a highly educated and evidence-based coach. We get into a lot of practical nutrition uh, discussion including fiber, alcohol, we do a pretty in-depth discussion of ketogenic diets and what they are and what they aren't. And she speaks on a lot of health issues related to some of the stuff that she's seen problems in our industry. We also get into her macro-friendly ebook and what, what else she's got coming up. And uh, it's a great episode. She's amazing. So please stay tuned and check it out. Shut up and sit down. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. And today's guest is Holly Baxter. So uh, welcome, Holly. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we'll uh, try to tell them a little bit about you. Um, we have, uh, hold on, I'm getting some feedback here. There we go. Okay. So uh, we'd best introduce you to the audience. Uh, you're originally from Tasmania, Australia, and you're now living in the Tampa Bay fair. area. Uh, yes, hold, yes, I am. You hold a master's in dietetics, a bachelor of food sciences and nutrition, and you're a physique yep. coach and personal trainer, we're not done yet, <laughs> natural professional <laughs> fitness model, and uh, you also are a IFBB figure competitor. You do seminars and travel and speak, and what did I miss? Oh, uh, that kind of sums it up, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that definitely sounds like me. You don't train you dolphins right or anything? You don't train dolphins or do anything crazy? Oh my God, actually, it's so funny you say dolphins. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, I was in Mexico uh, going back like 12 months at a, a figure competition. We uh, had a holiday straight after our uh, the Olympia, yeah. and uh, I actually got to train dolphins. So, <laughs> Oh, are you serious? I didn't even... I'm serious. As I say, like, that I'm not so creeping or falling. Like, I had no idea. No. I just... That was the first thing that crossed my mind because there was like a thousand things on here. I was like, she has to do something else, and of course, it's that. You don't do anything else? Uh... Well, um, out of the science and community, no, you, okay. you've definitely, you've reeled them off. I obviously have lots of hobbies, but. And I guess that's what um, we're touching with, so that works. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's dive into it a little bit more. We usually bypass long origin stories. A lot of our guests do a lot of podcasts, and I, I was searching. I couldn't find any that you were on. I bet there's something there, but I couldn't find anything. So uh, at least could we, I guess our audience would be interested in knowing uh, a few of the highlights along your career path. Uh, about moving to North America from Australia and why you chose to help others in the fitness industry. Sure. Um, look, I think uh, a lot of my passion for uh, food science, nutrition, and SL training uh, comes from my upbringing. I was uh, quite competitive when I was young in athletics, and I did basketball, and I think my parents threw me into just about every single sport, um, which is awesome. So I definitely had a flair for uh, competitive sports and uh, as I was getting into my early teen years and later teen years um, I was doing fantastic actually at track athletics and uh, at the time uh, I was working with a top a coach um, his name was Peter Fortune and he coached uh, Kathy Freeman to win the gold at the Olympics in the 400 meters um, she competed for Australia and um, we had kind of had a few conversations about uh, body composition and physique and you know I was quite young at the time and um, it was a good and a bad thing actually uh, the advice that he had given to me 
kind of um, brought on like a, a, an eating disorder as a young uh, athlete, but it definitely got me interested in learning. And thankfully, uh, I've been able to go on and learn what not to do and what to do when it comes to uh, to optimizing your health for performance in sport. So um, I think, yeah, my, my background in sports um, has led to uh, wanting to get involved in the nutrition community and um, yeah, that, that took me out of my hometown in Tassie to, to study and pursue my career in nutrition sciences. And I just got super, super lucky, uh, to meet Lane. Um, and now I have this phenomenal position as the director of nutrition at BioLane, which I would say is one of the best, uh, nutrition companies in the world. So, uh, that's kind of where it has grown through. I guess for anyone who's listening, um, Dr. Lane Norton is a, most of our audience know who he is. I've been following him for a really long time. And a lot of our guests are actually well connected to him, like Sohi Lee and Dr. Spencer Nadolsky, who we just released. So, and yeah, so you're working really closely with Lane. So we'll probably hit on that a little bit after. And kind of explain a little bit about, I guess, where you work and kind of what you do just for the people who don't know. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, so I still have my own business, uh, which is HB nutrition and training, um, which is an online nutrition company. So, um, I do one-on-one coaching for clients. Uh, I work probably 50%, uh, with general pop and then the other 50% would be, uh, elite athletes and, uh, bodybuilding competitors. So, um, right through bikini to bodybuilding. Um, so that is um, making up the majority of my my work, and then, uh, as you mentioned before, I'm uh, more recently getting to do a lot more travel uh, seminars, uh, training camps, and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so that is my the crux of my business, and what I do is uh, nutrition coaching. Nice. Now we get to do the fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Fire away. Instagram in the fitness industry. Um, I guess we can say we're riddled with competitors selling nutritious, nutrition coaching, um, dietary ideologies, and kind of a lot of these individuals don't necessarily have the education or credentials credentials outside of having places in a handful of competitions, so doing well in competition. Yeah. How, how, how have you like faced this challenge of setting yourself apart from, I guess, that <laughs> industry in the sense that you're yeah. highly educated and evidence-based and a coach? So how do you set yourself apart from those? Uh, look, it's been a real challenge to be honest. I used to get really grumpy and I was angry about it and I just kind of hated everybody that tried to do it and, uh, and didn't have the the backing or the science to support, to support what they did. And as you said, a lot of people have come from, um, you know, taking up a sport and just being successful at it themselves. And then, um, because they really enjoyed it, they've decided to take it on as their career. But, um, yeah, look, there's there's a lot more to it, as uh, you know, and I'm sure as uh, plenty of your other guests have spoken about, it's um, not as basic as uh, what people kind of assume. So um, I think firstly, well, first and foremost, just being female in a fairly male-dominant industry uh, has been uh, probably my biggest challenge uh, when it comes to growing a successful business. Um, I think just having the credibility as a woman um, in a bodybuilding, uh, you know, industry is really tough. Um, you know, it's not like a man is going to look at me and go, oh, hey, I want to get trained by her. I mean, uh, there's they kind of have to – I feel like for me as a woman, I really have to uh, prove myself um, from a, a science standpoint that, hey, 
I'm not just out there, you know, flashing my ass and, um, you know, showing my bits and pieces to the world to get some kind of credibility or to get a following. I, I definitely don't want that to be uh, the way that I'm seen to the rest of the market. As you said, I have um, I have the, the schooling and the, the education to kind of support that. So um, I think for me it's been about uh, being consistent with the, the message that I want to portray uh, and not giving in or following along all the other sheep (laughs) as so far as um how i market myself so um i think a little for a long time i felt that i needed to continue to do lots of competitions and um continually show uh, my physique as a means of growing uh, my business but i've really come to realize that um it's more about um just being continuous consistent and um, putting out lots of content and uh, information to kind of gain people's trust, I suppose. And then everything else is just kind of a bonus. Would you speak a little bit to, I guess we'll call it the dangers of more or less not being certified or not having the education, just considering people are handling other people's nutrition, what they eat and what they put in their body? Um, so do you mean like, sorry, I'm under, trying to understand what you're asking. Um, basically, uh, speak to the point of the dangers that could be involved with someone that maybe isn't as educated and doesn't exactly know what's going on, but they did well in a competition. Like what's the implications of that for people getting into this industry? Oh, uh, there have been, uh, quite a few reported cases, um, around the world of, um, clients being all, people being given really, really high uh, intakes of protein and very low uh, micronutrient-based diets. And as a result, they have led to various um, chronic conditions and even deaths. So it's not common, but um, I think the biggest thing that I'm seeing a lot, uh, and we are working countless hours on clients who have metabolic adaptation or metabolic suppression and uh, that is stemmed from coaches who don't have that uh, understanding or <laughs> they might have um, kind of glassed over the top or the surface of, um, you know, what makes up a, a healthy diet. But because they don't have the fundamentals or a biochemical or a chemistry background, they don't really know what's going on, um, you know, at those deeper levels. And then they're ruining women and men's metabolism. So, uh, we do a lot of corrective work in trying to get these people um, out of this phase or state where um, they're chronically restricted. They're having very little calories um, in order to get into the physique that they're they're wanting, um, and then you know they're they're gaining all this weight back because they're so metabolically suppressed that when they want to eat again, they're yeah. they're binging, and there's all these kind of negative relationships coming out of it. But um, yeah, that'd have to be the most um, concerning thing that I'm seeing uh, of late. We're seeing a lot of this stuff, even on a local level, where the only (laughs) certification, qualification someone has is actually having done the show, meaning that they actually have no credentials whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, There's a lot of like the certifications that really don't mean a whole lot. And a lot of the education people get is through other work they've done. But you quite literally are seeing a ton of coaches who are holding no active certification. There is no, they don't even have insurance (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of liability. I mean, if they someone could easily be sued um, for for damages, like uh, I don't know of any uh, cases immediately that I'm I'm aware of. But um, yeah, if something bad were to go wrong with uh, a person that is coaching without any credentials, like they could be in a lot of trouble. So 
um, yeah, it's frustrating to see that there are only, um, sorry, that there are some courses available for people to become certified trainers and, um, you know, they're like nutrition, um, certs you basically get out of a cereal box and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like six weeks online. That's mm-hmm. it. Like, you know, I'm still learning and I have been doing this since I was 18 years old. I am 29. Like I've been learning for 10 years plus about nutrition. Um, and you know, seven years of that was at a, a, a university level and I still learn. Um, so yeah, I'm not really sure how, how people expect to have a, a sound understanding of, uh, nutrition and uh, human physio- uh, human physiology and anatomy when they get you know six weeks of coaching. <laughs> well, I think they just see a quick buck. To be honest, like they're just seeing the internet and the fact that they look good and people are probably begging them for nutrition plans and they're like, I can make some money on this. And then yeah, I think that's the thing. Like a lot of people enjoy the sport and then think, oh well, I should just do this as a career. But um, there's a lot of work, and especially to be successful at it, like. It takes years of, you know, turning the crank. Like, it doesn't happen overnight. I think a lot of people think that, um, you know, it's a phenomenal uh, business to be in, but it's a very saturated market. So um, I think if someone is to consider taking up uh, some kind of personal training business or um, nutrition, that their their heart is really in it because it is tough. Yeah, well, let's actually take uh, some of the questions that we uh, prepared for this actually hit on a lot of very specific topics about nutrition, which is sometimes a place we don't necessarily go into this kind of detail. And we have a lot of fitness professionals who listen, but a lot of enthusiasts who pull a lot away from this. So I'll start with the first one, and that was about fiber. And we're always hearing about the importance of fiber. And uh, many fitness coaches know little beyond that statement, but yet you've Mm -hmm. written frequently on it. Could you offer a deconstruction of why fiber plays an important role in our digestion and health? Sure. Um, look, I think if we were to speak of um, like the health benefits of dietary fiber, um, straight away we can look at all the GI, gastrointestinal disorders and things that are kind of stemming from this. But if you can have a good uh, dietary fiber intake, uh, you're reducing your risk of things like um, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, uh, diverticulitis, uh, obviously basic as, as it comes, constipation for that matter. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of people that I work with that um, really struggle with like their bowel movement. So, um, and it is all stemming back to their dietary fiber fluid intake. So, um, there's some of the, the more common things um, that dietary fiber is, um, is good for, but um, it also has a, a big part in um, blood sugar regulation and reducing the risk of type 2 diabetes. So, um, obviously, dietary fiber uh, slows down the uh, digestion of carbohydrates and therefore uh, slows that insulin release and therefore can be better manage someone's blood sugar levels. So um, I guess when it comes to diabetes, it's quite important. But also like cholesterol, there's other, plenty of other things and uh, satiation or being uh, feeling full. There's obviously plenty of things like that that dietary fiber is really important for. Well, at least all these shitty coaches that we're talking about when they're giving people these diets full of chicken and broccoli and brown rice, at least they're getting some fiber in the broccoli. But funny yeah, enough, that, well, that, that's not even complete in the sense that you have soluble and insoluble fiber that you need. Exactly. There, there are two types of dietary fiber, and I think a lot of people tend to, uh, if they're getting enough, and I do so many uh, nutritional analyses um, with my one-on-one coaching, and for the majority of people, like especially for people that are uh, trying to lose weight and are on uh, calorie-restricted diets, 
it is really challenging, especially for women with lower intakes overall, uh, to hit dietary fiber just because of the lower volumes of food. So um, I usually recommend people to try and consume around 500 grams of veggies every day um, to kind of supplement their their insoluble fiber. Obviously, that is the type of fiber that adds bulk to your um, to your uh, I suppose the the bilage that's passing through your stomach. But then um, soluble fiber comes from uh, things like our oats. If you can imagine, like things that expand in your stomach and take on water. So those two function together. Uh, for optimal bowel health. Cool. I was going to yeah. say, you could say poop, right? Like we can swear and all kinds of other stuff on here. So if you got to say poop, you I say poop. I think working in clinical dietetics for a little while, we talk about poo and bowel motions every single day. We, I even had like this little Bristol stool chart that I had to carry around <laughs> on my neck and talk to clients and patients about. So, yeah, she's over yeah, it. <laughs> she just doesn't yeah, want to talk I about it for a minute. All right, we, we, could, we could move on from the poop. I, was, I, I like, let's move on to alcohol. I think that, um, and, and this might be one of those myths and stuff, but everyone like wants to understand alcohol and its effects on fat loss. Some people just like consuming it, even if they are dieting. So could you kind of offer or summarize some key points that people need to know about consuming alcohol? And I guess more or less how it affects fat loss, but how they can include it in their normal life without fucking up everything <laughs> sure it's hard oh, that question is asked all the time um okay firstly if you uh consume a low to moderate amount of alcohol every day it will not uh impede your fat loss efforts Sweet. um period so uh, uh alcohol is uh does have an energy value just like proteins carbohydrates and fats so um we need to consider that it contributes to our total daily cal calorie requirements, right? So if you know the value of alcohol uh, and calories, we can kind of work it into um, our, our energy targets to ensure we can continue to lose body fat. So if it came to a fat loss diet, for example, uh, you would want to be making sure that you still hit your daily protein requirements. You would also want to make sure um, that you're still hitting your daily calorie requirements, but you can denote some of your calories um, from alcohol. So alcohol has a value of 7.5 calories per gram. So I actually have a really cool article on my website that helps people to calculate, um, you know, their, their favorite drinks and how to incorporate them into their diets and still lose body fat, which is kind of cool. So, uh, people can always head over and check that out if they would like to. Did you, did you write on, uh, on your Mexico trip and kind of how you kind of incorporated liquor into that equation? <laughs> Which I'm sure you um, didn't. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think after a, a show, uh, a lot of people just uh, stop tracking uh, if they're not like ready for a reverse diet or anything like yeah. that, which is a big problem because I know <laughs> people can get kind of out of hand. But I guess uh, tracking isn't always um, the easiest thing for people. So I usually say if you're going to be going and having like a weekend of drinks or there's a festival or something like that, kind of go in with a bit of a game plan. So like I, for example, just this morning I had a client who's going on a holiday for four or five days next week. And she's like, okay, what do I do? You know, I want to, I want to be able to go and uh, go away, have some drinks, eat what I like. Like, have you got any strategies for when I go on this holiday? And I was like, yeah, sure. So usually I would say like pick whichever nights you're intending on having drinks. So if it's Friday and Saturday, that's great. So on those days, work at work at how many drinks do you think you're going to have? What's normal for you? So 
uh, I don't know, I'll just use Lane, for example. He drinks lots of beer. Uh, he might have like five beers in one afternoon or something or an evening an evening if we were going somewhere with friends. So if you can calculate the caloric value from those drinks, then uh, work out what you have left for the remainder of the day and kind of work backwards. So um, try and hit your protein targets, but then subtract the calories from alcohol away from your dietary fats and your carbohydrates. So you can kind of substitute out some carbs and fats to allow for a little bit of alcohol if that's what you want to do. So, yeah, I said to this client, look at what you're intending on doing in the evenings and plan your day around that. I guess there's one other thing that's probably worth noting too is to be mindful of how the effects of alcohol will change behavior and, and inhibitions, which might lead mm-hmm. to some problems with the other food intake, <laughs> uh, like McDonald's. Yeah, I'm going to raise my <laughs> hand and say, yeah, that's definitely me. Um, I think for most people, we can kind of get by on having one or two drinks and still having a fairly good amount of control. <laughs> but you know, once you once you hit that threshold, yeah, our inhibitions definitely decrease. So yeah. if you're somebody that you know likes to have a drink and you know that you get hungry or you tend to just hit you know the stuff it mode afterwards, uh, I would tread very carefully. But also, like you've got to think about um, you might be able to still hit your your daily calorie targets or whatever it is in order to continue your fat loss goal, for example, or to maintain your physique. Uh, but it's then the subsequent uh, late night that you probably would have with that and then how it makes you feel the next day. Did you also miss your training? Like you've got to think about those ramifications as well. So when it comes down to performance, alcohol probably isn't the best thing, um, but you can certainly still maintain a fairly good physique uh, What's- by including a little bit. I was going to say, you, you mentioned uh, late night snacks. Like in Canada, we have these things called donaires. I don't know um, if you understand, but those are, they're awesome. But that's like you go out yeah. and you have a few, let's say five drinks and you, you're going to get a donaire or McDonald's. What's, what's your thing? <laughs> you, what is my thing? Oh my gosh. Like if you were to go and like something happened, you're like, you know, fuck it. We're going, we're going through the drive through Where are you going? Ah, oh, you know, I, I have celiac disease, so oh, it has totally like limited my abilities to go anywhere afterwards uh, when it comes to like fast food. Like I can't, I would probably go and have a burger if I could, but I can't eat that stuff anymore. And uh, so it makes it kind of sad. Usually like I would eat something when I get home (laughs) and I I have a lockbox now. Like I can't have bad junk food around or I would just eat it all. I don't have an off switch. I'm an all or nothing kind of person. (laughs) So um, yeah, I, I probably would be going for like the Reese's, chips or what else ice cream definitely ice cream Jesus. yeah you're the worst totally late, you're the worst late night drinker you can't go anywhere and dairy no, i can't well, i can't do drive-thrus and takeouts <laughs> afterwards anyway it kind of sucks cool. i can eat chips that's okay <laughs> for anyone listening uh, you got to go check out our website or social media because you're gonna realize this is holly's in fantastic shape so whatever this sounds like she's actually pretty good <laughs> she, knows, she knows her stuff but uh, and you yeah, mentioned, I do. I do like cooking. <laughs> you mentioned your website, and actually, I uh, I got into there a little bit, and I was looking at some of the articles, and like this is a really well put together website. It's very accessible. Um, anyone who's looking for really good nutritional information, will make sure that we will say the website name a couple times. But guys, yeah, this is, absolutely, this is uh, <laughs> is really high quality stuff. So I got into that article library. And you've written a lot on ketogenic diets, which uh, it's amusing for no other reason than the fact that at any given moment, Lane is at total war on Twitter with <laughs> keto zealots. It's easier favorite, yeah. favorite thing in the world. 
Uh, it's, uh-huh. I guess it's part of his shtick. Uh, but this is pretty popular right now. I definitely would qualify it as a fad diet. Uh, but many people yes. not, m- might not understand how keto dieting works, how it isn't for everybody. Uh, would you give our enthusiasts and, and our professional listeners a little bit of an overview mm-hmm. of keto, how it works, what it isn't, and who it's suitable mm-hmm. for? Sure. Um, so I think uh, just to give you a, an overview of what ketogenic diets are, um, it is a very high-fat um, moderate to low protein diet um, and very low in carbohydrates. And essentially it causes a shift from our body's primary metabolic fuel, uh, which is carbohydrates to fats. And it also um, alters our fat metabolism so that we produce these uh, ketone bodies in the liver, um, specifically acetone, uh, acetoacetate, and beta-hydroxybutyrate. Lovely words. But basically um, our body can use these to function instead of um, carbohydrates. So um, the reason that this kind of all came about, um, well, in fact, it started um, initially uh, in, in line with um, management of things like Alzheimer's and epilepsy. And uh, for some reason, uh, it kind of like started to take on in the bodybuilding community as a more superior um, measure or method to induce fat loss. Um, and the reason being is um, I think if we look at uh, the role of carbohydrates um, in our body. They, uh, when you digest carbohydrates, we re- we, re- we release insulin. Uh, insulin is known as a storage hormone, and uh, consequently can uh, increase um, fat storage. But there have been a lot of leaps and bounds, I think, in uh, the way that this is interpreted. And overall, the research actually shows that. Uh, a ketogenic diet is actually not better than a non-ketogenic diet, so a diet that does contain carbohydrates. But the key is uh, you need to compare that with total calories and protein. So if protein and calories are equated or equal, uh, that ratio of carbohydrates to fats actually makes zero difference um, on your ability to lose body fat or gain muscle for that matter. So uh, that's the first thing. I think a lot of people think that this is some magic <laughs> diet or strategy that's going to get them uh, into the best shape of their lives, but it's simply not the case. So um, that's the first thing when it comes to keto. But um, you asked about uh, who it might be useful for. Mm-hmm. I think um, you've got to take into consideration your personal preferences for food choices. So uh, if you're somebody that really, really likes uh, fats and uh, perhaps doesn't care so much for sweets and treats, like you might be a savory person, then maybe a keto diet would be great for you because you get to eat a lot of, you know, things like avocados, lots of oils, creams, like people that like creamy-based dishes, I guess, would really like this. Uh, if you're a nut lover, seeds, um, all those kind of really fatty foods, um, you have to eat a lot of them because the ratio um, for this ketogenic diet to actually be effective and to ensure that our um, – our blood glucose levels don't rise um, too high is actually 80% of our calories coming from fats. So it's really high. Um, you guys could probably go and do like a, a quick test of what a, that would look like for you. Um, but it's only 10 to 15% uh, protein. So yeah, it's actually not as fantastic as I think a lot of people think it is. I and mean, you can't just freely eat uh, fats either. Like you still have to maintain your calories or you will gain weight, period. <laughs> That's probably one of the biggest so, misconceptions yeah. with a lot of these diets. And 
you talked about when you equate protein, when you equate calories, it's not superior. Mm -hmm. People come in with yeah. the idea that diets like paleo dieting, you follow the rules, calories don't matter. Keto dieting, mm. eat lots of fat, calories don't matter. Yeah, calories don't matter. I don't know. <laughs> intermittent fasting, just as long as you eat within this window, calories don't matter. <laughs> All of these diets actually have properties <clears throat> that are good at restricting calories. That's actually why they often work or create the illusion they're superior. But yeah. <laughs> in of themselves, the calories still matter. And I think that was one of the biggest things when I was uh, writing for Power Act Strength. And I went on this like basically this keto powerlifting kind of experiment. And <laughs> mostly everyone was like, wow, what are your proteins at and stuff? And I'm like, I'm a 220 pound person. I'm like, yeah, they're like 150, Why is it so low? And they just didn't yeah. understand it. And that was one of the biggest misconceptions is like, well, your proteins need to be way higher. And I'm like, no, just don't worry yeah, about it. That's exactly. the side. Well, yeah. That's the thing. I think people, um, I guess, again, if you don't have that um, science background or you haven't done any kind of chemistry or biochemistry in like undergraduate days, um, you don't get to learn about the different energy pathways. So um, some of the common mistakes, I guess, with ketogenic diets is that people will still have uh, really, really, really high uh, protein intakes. And if you are having, say, a diet that contains more than 20, 25 percent of um, calories coming from protein, uh, what ends up happening is a process called gluconeogenesis, which is basically your um, uh, proteins are then broken down um, into glucose um, through various means, and you end up still using glucose as your primary fuel. So, um, yeah, that's probably one of the main things. I think the traditional ketogenic diet is only like, as I said, 10 to 15% uh, protein and 80% uh, fats. And I actually had to do this. I had a, a medical condition. Uh, just around this time last year, or a little bit earlier actually, where I uh, needed to do ketogenic diet um, just to make sure that I could fight this condition, and it was not fun. <laughs> I must say, I think like three months into it, uh, I I was just like, someone please give me some carbs. <laughs> like, well, yeah, it was really frustrating. One, so. one of my frustrating parts too was like I was pretty big, and I think my maintenance was at like I was working at a gym, and my neat went up to the roof, and it was like four thousand calories. Now oh, wow. at one hundred and sixty grams of protein, that doesn't leave my options very open to get my no, fats. No, you just to have be. to. Yeah, you just have to be eating like a lot of simple sugars and things. I think yeah. by the time like if your calories are that high, in fact, I got up to around three thousand calories um, when I was doing this ketogenic diet myself, and. Yeah, it's it's uh, really hard to just eat that much fat. Like I was just literally having like creamy chicken or creamy yeah. like bacon dishes, like and sausages. I just oh, I just wanted to feel like healthy again. Eat something. And it was like, it's good. It like tastes good initially, but then like once you realize how much fat you have to get and what elicit what food yeah. to elicit that amount of fat, your your options are like yeah, like yeah, oil, it bacon. Is, it's quite <laughs> it's quite restrictive, I think. And I had a lady email me the other day and she's like, oh, I think I'd really like to try this ketogenic diet. And I was like, look, here's a list of foods that you're going to be able to eat. Obviously, yes, you can still eat plenty of vegetables, da, 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 da. But you got to love this stuff because, you know, this is what you will be eating. Majority, I think there's that huge misconception that it's just unlimited proteins and um and whatnot. So, yeah, I think deciding what uh, your personal food preferences are is like the one number one thing I ask clients when it comes to setting up their macro uh, targets. You know, how do you like to eat? What foods do you enjoy? Because at the end of the day, the diet that is um, going to be most successful for you is the one that is going to be sustainable. So, if you hate fats and you don't particularly like or care for fat foods, or you also are somebody that really loves to eat sweets. Um, yeah, keto is not going to be for you. <laughs> I 
And you're, and there's one other element that we didn't talk about with keto. Uh, we mentioned recently <clears> on the <throat> podcast was just the water element of it. So when you take a lot of carbohydrates out of your diet, you actually lose a lot of body water, which is why when someone we first yeah. first goes on a ketogenic diet, they notice initial weight loss, which is mm-hmm. loss of water weight because of the way that carbohydrates mm-hmm. and water bind to each other. So it creates yeah. this illusion that initially it's superior. Of course, guess what? You come off that keto diet, you're going to regain that water weight as you replenish muscle stored energy, glycogen. Um, yeah, so, I was just about to say muscle collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so these sort of things play into this, and again, it creates this illusion that somehow this diet is superior when you're paying attention mm-hmm. to weight, not necessarily your fat, uh, your body fat levels. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to talk about, and you made a point of this, was kind of speaking on health issues and just that you're seeing more and more with people that are coming to see you and that you're working with, particularly mm-hmm. in the case of women, uh, related to diet, dieting, fat loss, stress, how stress affects anxiety, mm-hmm. anxiety, eating disorders, essentially how all this is wrecking havoc on our health and on our bodies. Would you kind of yeah. go in a little bit more depth on dealing with this issues just because I know you're going to speak really well to it? Sure. Uh, I think speaking in general is not something I do very well. Yeah. <laughs> I like to write, you know. Yeah. Um, go into but yes. It. Okay. So. Uh, I think uh, at the moment uh, I'm dealing mostly with women. I probably have 80 to 20% uh, client base that are women. And uh, I don't know whether it is because it's been an area that I have kind of um, openly discussed uh, on my YouTube channel or on other social media, but um, more and more people are kind of coming to me and saying, Hey, look, um, I, I wanted to lose weight um, going back a few years. So I, I got into this whole fitness thing uh, did my first show and I had a really terrible coach or they, they're okay, but my calories got right down and, uh, you know, I was on 800 calories, 700 calories and I was doing, you know, 12 hours of training a week. And, um, so essentially burning the candle at both ends, um, as far as, you know, excessive amounts of training, very little, um, nutritional intake. And then, uh, they've either rebounded and, or have at the same time developed a terrible relationship with food. Um, and that, that has actually led to various eating disorders. And I'm seeing, um, a lot of people coming to me with, um, bulimia, um, binge eating disorder, or just a really disordered food relationship. So, um, I think the, the thing that I have been able to help people most with, um, is the concept of flexible dieting. I'm sure you and your listeners, um, are familiar with that. And that's something that I'm a really big advocate for, um, but just being able to help people correct um, what is going on and get them to a place where they're training um, at a manageable amount, where it's not impeding their entire lives. You know, if I said to somebody, what is your optimal um, you know, amount of training if you could go and exercise, most people probably would say four or five times. Cool. If I didn't have to train at all, that would be great. But I know for a lot of people it's a, a form of relaxing and things like that. But around that four or five um, training sessions a week is optimal. So if that is the end goal for a lot of these people, that is kind of where I'm trying to get them. But then for them to be able to do that, they'd have to be on next to no calories because they've been through these awful extreme diets. So, um, yeah, at the moment I am running a reverse dieting um, coaching program with Lane actually. We we started this back on the 12th of February, so we've got a really good group that are doing – um, three or six month reverse diets and uh, we're essentially trying to get their calories up as high as possible <laughs> within their um, within their goals as far as weight is concerned because with any reverse diet there is a risk of increasing weight but we can 
very effectively manage that weight gain, um, which is all going to come back to what the client or the person wants. So if they only want to gain two pounds, um, that's it. Otherwise, you know, it's the end of the world. Well, we can work with that. It just means it's a slower road to getting them back to, to good health and to their calorie intake. So, Would you um, just um, explain just reverse dieting for the, some of the listeners who don't quite understand that? And then, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, reverse dieting is uh, essentially increasing your calories uh, in order to correct uh, metabolic adaptation. So when your body uh, slows down to uh, compensate for very little calories coming in from food. So, um, yeah, it's basically an investment in your metabolic health. So um, unlike a muscle gain program where you are encouraged to gain weight and you are expected to gain a certain amount of weight each week, um, with a reverse diet, we're trying to increase your calories but with minimal weight regain. Um, so we have different speeds that we can actually do this at, um, which is depending on the client. It largely has to do with very, very gradual increases in calorie intake. And that's correct. The metabolism tends to just simply absorb those and it auto regulates. I guess, is that a good way of saying it? Yeah, I guess so. I, I speak about this on uh, a video I'm actually about to release today. It's uh, I'm actually starting a reverse diet myself. Um, <laughs> it's been a long time coming. So I'm up to week two and um, posting that this afternoon. And Lane and I actually discussed in this um, what are some of the reasons for this um, kind of uh, this phenomenon happening. And it kind of comes back to um, when you're taking in more calories, um, typically uh, we, when we look at – I should take a few steps back. Uh, when we look at energy balance, uh, we're looking at um, your calories in, calories out, but they're affected by things like your um, training uh, volumes or your exercise um, that we do in the gym. And then there's also something called your thermic effect of food. Uh, and then we also have meat. And what I think is happening here when we do start to reintroduce calories again is um, that your body kind of goes, oh, wow, I've got all this energy again. And all of a sudden we start to stop conserving that energy um, and moving around a little bit more. And I even noticed last week when I upped my calories by 200 or something, I, ju I just felt a little bit more energized and I, I did an extra bike ride up to the shops and back. Like I had, all, you know, a little bit of extra energy. So I think, um, yeah, that is one of the body's uh, ways of kind of getting around this. We just start to uh, fidget more and, you know, we move like without knowing. So I think NEAT is a big contributor to, to this. Absolutely. I actually think that's entirely true. I noticed that I can eat largely almost anything I want. I'm a big guy. I'm weighing more than 250 mm -hmm. pounds, but yeah. I'm a fidgety person. I'm always moving around. Oh, if, I'm, yeah. if I'm watching a client, I'm pacing around them, looking at <coughs> multiple angles. I just, I don't stop. And it's just because I take mm -hmm. in so many calories, my need is through the roof. I think that's a good point to touch on. So again, going back to this ketogenic experiment, I, I switched careers from a teacher to starting the train. And long story short, I knew mm -hmm. my maintenance is 3,200 calories. And I get in this keto diet yeah. and I'm like, oh my God, I'm losing all this weight. Mm -hmm. But I kept losing weight and I, I couldn't even put together the simple neat process. And I know what I'm smarter than that. But then I had to yeah. literally raise my calories to 4,000 because I'm running around, looking at this, doing that. And it played a huge factor. Yeah. Like 800 calories a day 
for someone my size like that was a that's like two extra meals and well, i think that it's yeah people don't understand the, that idea as much as they should well, it's a lack of carbs mm-hmm. going to your brain that's why you couldn't process that well yeah <laughs> honestly like maybe like i, I sat there for I, I couldn't figure it out and like i'm a i feel like i'm smart i'm a smart guy and it just it just went right over my head because i was like man this keto diet keto diet i know the science like it shouldn't work this well i don't want to be losing this much weight. <laughs> And it, I put two and two together. I'm like, hey, stop losing weight. What the fuck? Like, my maintenance is my maintenance. It should work. But it was, my neat went up, and an 800-calorie deficit dropped me a pound to a pound and a half every week, and it just didn't make sense. This whole um, – just going back really quickly to the, the eating disorders, yeah. it's, it's astonishing how prevalent this has shown up in our podcasts. Uh, we yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Off air, we mentioned Sohi Lee very briefly, who is mm-hmm. also close to Lane, and she yeah. talked on her episode, one of our earliest ones, that, you know, her battles with eating disorders. We had uh, Lindsay and Dean Somerset on the podcast, and Lindsay detailed hers. Uh, we mm-hmm. had other people on here. Uh, Michelle Bagnell talked about how her first coach, uh, one of her first coaching experiences was a really, really bad one. It was something that you described as just starved and dieted down, very, very cliche cookie cutter stuff. And, it, you know, mm-hmm. some of the battles that she had facing that. And this is just so prevalent. You hear these horror stories all over the industry. And mm-hmm. I just one of the reasons why I like having guests like you and everybody else you mentioned is to get young women who are in this industry uh, competing, maybe who are looking for their first coaching experience or have gone through this to understand this is not how it has to be. And hopefully that what they'll do is they'll follow someone like you, someone like Sohi, who yeah. is teaching a better way and, and break the cycle of a lot of these these dinosaurs that are still doing <laughs> the things that were popular yeah. in the 60s and well, 70s. Just a better understanding because, again, you can't. it's hard to make informed decisions if you're not informed. And I guess part of our goal is to put that information out there from people like you and this evidence-based stuff so that they can be well-informed and ask the right questions. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think even my very first coach, when I started uh, in bodybuilding, I just wanted to see what other people were doing at the time. And yeah, I, I have, again, I have some articles and um, videos that I've put up about this. Actually, it's quite funny, but um, he said to me, Oh, you need to eat. Um, it was steak with specifically organic coconut oil for breakfast. And then it was sauerkraut for morning tea at 11 a.m. And I was like, Okay, dude, like, I get it. You're different to me. But why? And I think like my that's the thing. Like I have always wanted to know war and I want to, I want an answer uh, and a scientific answer. When like when I go and look for these things or somebody can't give me that answer, like that was the time for me to go, mm, we're severing this tie because I don't think that you have any idea what you're doing. So there are still uh, a lot of these dinosaurs out there who are not um, not educating themselves with the uh, up to date scientific literature. But um, yeah. I was going to say that's a perfect mindset to have going into these things, though. It's like understanding that, let's just use figure competitions or bodybuilding, is that Mm -hmm. these competitions, yeah, it's fun, and yeah, we have these coaches, but having an understanding of what you're doing is going to help performance, but it's also going to stop you from putting yourself in a situation where these things might sort of happen. And I guess that's the mental process I wish more people would adopt, because why is a very important way to just put a break in things and kind of figure out where you are and how much your coach actually knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really um, encourage all of my clients to ask questions. I'm like, if I don't give you an answer, if you don't understand, ask me um, and go and look things up. Like, don't just take my word for it. Like, do your research, you know. Um, there might have been a, pub- a publication that came out two days ago, which I haven't seen yet. So, like, always ask why. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, this is actually perfect to lead into so the next piece of the discussion. 
um, because we're talking about all the bad stuff that's out there, but there are more resources now uh, to share good, helpful information. So we just recently had Peter Baker on the podcast, and he co-wrote a book with Dr. Lane Norton, uh, The Complete mm-hmm. Contest Prep Guide. So now yes. you're featured on the cover of that thing, one of the two anyway. People can choose it. Yeah. Choose you or Lane. Yeah, yeah, Personally, yeah. I think that's kind of an easy choice, but they tweet their own. Uh, you should pick her because she's on here right now. You're, pick yeah, you. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> guys, if you haven't checked that out yet, check that out. But also you're soon releasing your own contest prep ebook that will support that. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you discuss yes. that book a little bit? And also, you also have a macro-friendly ebook. So anyone who doesn't really understand that stuff, tell us a little bit about those. Sure. Um, okay, so the ebook that I already have is exactly as the title says, macro-friendly uh, recipes. So um, obviously, it is kind of more tailored towards people that are doing fat loss because uh, there is a big lack of resources, I think, when it comes to tasty foods, uh, good foods, quality foods um, that you can still enjoy. So that is a 52-page ebook. Uh, it's available on my website, which is hbnutrition.com. Um, so that has a lot of really good uh, recipes in it. But um, to follow up on the contest prep book that uh, Dr. Norton and Peter Baker have released, uh, which goes into the specifics of and the science of fat loss, um, this book will support that in so far as it will allow somebody to um, literally take the beginning of their um, their coaching prep if they're doing a, a competition um, and follow the recipe book all the way down till the really awful, horrible, <laughs> gnarly stages <laughs> when their calories are really low and they're hating life and they're sitting on the couch and they can't even gain the energy to go over and change the channel on their, the TV. <laughs> so it's basically going to have uh, high calorie through low calorie. Um, yeah, it will be a recipe um guru book um you shouldn't really need anything else uh, to support you through a complete contest prep but obviously it'll be great for a general population as well it's just going to be a lot of delicious recipes um which i've spent a lot of time um kind of putting together so there's a really good variety um it'll have a complete like shopping uh list of all your pantry foods food requirements utensils um and just some tips and tricks that i personally I use and I give to my own clients in how to uh, stay on track with their macros uh, during a contest prep. Actually, sounds really detailed and practical. So you, maybe we can put all the dinosaurs out of out of the business. Who's going to be on the cover? Is is Lane going to be on the cover? Oh my god, I should feature him on the cover. He would love that, wouldn't he? <laughs> Just get him in, get him in like an apron, like a pink apron. <laughs> Uh, doing some baking yeah oh god and like maybe making one of his faces or something then he can like oh yeah i can just see, her. see nah, if just, you do that if you do that just give well don't give me credit but just tell me like hey good idea uh, yeah just, absolutely we'll give you some credits for just, the cover uh idea just, for sure you know lane is very funny so um i'm sure he would take great pleasure in doing a photo shoot for that yeah we have done quite a few um Kind of very satire style videos. Yeah. We took up, we actually, we actually did the keto one very recently about the keto zealots. Uh, if you haven't seen that, you should have a, head over to the bio lane, our Lane Norton uh, YouTube channel. And I've got it on mine as well. Nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we have a couple of really funny ideas that we're going to do very soon with uh, when macros don't count. Um, you can imagine all this, the situations and funny scenes. Yeah. 
and the and memes, we are gonna come up with <laughs> the, the memes you could create with at least that picture because like I, I think it could, oh yeah if it gets, goes viral then the book even goes twice as viral like it's it's a great idea I'm very much looking forward to that in fact uh, we have our assistant David here right now helping me on the, the ebook so David, uh, David Mathis yeah <laughs> <laughs> Two quick thoughts. Uh, one is if you're going to get a picture of Lane, gun in one hand, fishing rod in the other, in a singlet, that'll be a good cover. And then two, uh, guys, literally. <laughs> and you train dolphins. Yeah. Uh, the, the Bio Lane YouTube channel and now Holly's as well, but like Lane's YouTube channel is the one that I spent, I don't spend a lot of time watching videos on YouTube. I like audio stuff, but yeah. I watch all his old video logs and I found him early on and he's actually easily one of the most important influences on my career. And it led me to Sohi. It led me to uh, their podcast, which is the first one I ever started listening to. And that sort of started yeah, me on Yeah, mine, mine too, actually. Mine too. Not surprising. It's it's still one of the best. It's got a lot of cool guests on it. But it started me down a road of listening to more podcasts, things like the Fitcast, which you really do need to get yourself on. Kevin Larrabee's stuff is great. And he's really amazing at making sure like he floods it with women in the industry, which... As yeah. we, you said earlier, like it's a male-dominated industry, so like if you can get yourself yeah. on that podcast, he's got a huge reach. We're averaging, I'll just shy of fifteen hundred per episode, and some go bigger. But I mean, Kevin, I think it's fifteen thousand on average per episode. So wow. he's, he's the he's the big guy in this. Uh, the I want to go on this podcast and get fifteen thousand. <laughs> <laughs> we don't just want. I'm not smart like you though. He, he just wants uh, ten thousand uh, followers on Instagram. Give, give, give her it. the book question. Yeah, look, I, you know what? Women, <laughs> yeah. women buy things, so I think if, yeah. uh, once you've got the women listening to you, uh, yeah, I, I then you're set. I got a photo shoot and I read like we had the 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 prep book and you know what I got a few tips so maybe 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 ten thousand like two months with some some photo shoot pictures yeah lots of abs yeah um, so the second part of the whole thing about books is and we ask everybody this uh, is there a book you read um, something that you found particularly helpful or influential in your life in your career something you wanted to share um goodness I think. I, I've actually been reading a lot of self-development books, um, of like, and business books, which, um, I'm not sure, um, of your specific demographic that your listeners are. Oh, that's, that's definitely are, what we're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> they go for I, that. I very recently read, uh, on the plane coming back from Australia, uh, The One Thing. Um, it is a really, really, really great book talking about how to kind of prioritize your life, pick your, pick what you're good at. Um, and it is like step by step how to achieve your goals. Um, and I was just mesmerized and I don't think I put the book down for the entire trip back. I don't think I slept on my Australia to, uh, back to USA flight recently. So yeah, the one thing that was a, a really great book. I'm actually halfway through it. <laughs> it's on my coffee table. Oh, really? It's the second time one of our guests has brought it up. And, uh, oh. I was in a, in a seminar in Seattle, uh, just outside of Seattle at Luca Hosevar's Vigor Ground. And it was one of the books mentioned by one of the speakers. And so I added oh. it to my list. And uh, no, you're right. It's it's actually really, it's quick. It's so quick and easy to read and access. It uses yes. language that's just so accessible. And I think yep. anyone who's maybe doesn't read a ton, but is trying to get into it, actually, I think it's one of the better books. And you're right. It's got a really great, simple message. So no, that's a wonderful book. Guys, mm -hmm. seriously consider getting that one. 
I actually have another one real quick. Since yeah, already being your uses. Uh, this one is called Unfuck Your Brain. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's by uh, Dr. Faith Harper. She's a PhD uh, in psychology, and uh, it's a great one for women. If uh, women are people that are, are listening, go and read this book. Um, it's really good to help people with uh, depression, anxiety, triggers um yeah i learned a lot from it there's like two different book covers for this there's like a uh i guess an academic one and there's a fun one get the fun one <laughs> but uh, yeah that was a really great read unfuck your brain uh what do you, what okay, about so, for guy? my brain's no hold on i got a question I, I got a question here so so this one's actually really good because i noticed this trend and i think a lot of people notice this where uh provocative vulgar titles in books and what's that what's that one the red book the uh, subtle art of not, the subtle art of not giving a fuck that is the most overrated yes, yes, piece of that. trash I, i've ever read it's garbage Guys, don't oh, even waste your f- fucking time with this shit. I haven't read it, but <laughs> no, it's, unfuck your brain isn't the PhD wrote it. Yeah, but <laughs> I, think I guess I sort of get a little leery of the books with those kind of titles because I thought this uh, subtle art was so terrible. And I, I think it's a fine book for someone who just wants to start getting into this kind of literature, but I thought it was just a guy who's basically a bunch of telling a bunch of frat stories, trying to sound like he's doesn't give a shit when it's fairly transparent that he really gives a shit. So it just sounds like a pile of hypocrisy to me, but... <laughs> I hope that th- this book bucks that trend, and it's actually uh, pretty good. So well, I'm, I'm yeah, going to add that to the list. As, as he says that, our last, so we had Dr. Spencer Nadolsky, and we, we started talking about um, one of his haters called him Dr. Fuckwad. And our provocative title was Dr. Spencer Nadolsky, a.k.a. Dr. Fuckwad. So we use that. <laughs> <laughs> saying our... <laughs> no, talk about book titles. Well, maybe, maybe we can call this one How to Unfuck Your Brain with Holly Baxter. <laughs> I'll do it, but it'll have a star beside <laughs> We talk, that's great, but that's a good, um, I guess that's essentially what we're talking about when we even go back to these health issues. It's not that their brain's mm-hmm. fucked, but like how are we working backwards to fix some of these problems? And a lot of it will come back to the brain. Like, and I think that that's where yeah. a lot of these things are going going forward is how do you include brain science into the fitness industry? Because it, it starts there. Actually, we're totally I think a lot of this. A lot of the things are just totally common sense, yeah. um, but sometimes we just need reminders about, you know, hey, have you thought about looking at it this way? And usually the response is, oh, yeah. So um, exactly as your point, you know, it's about looking at something and working backwards um, and is this realistic or not? Actually, I totally think we're going to use this as the title, How to Unfuck Your Nutrition with Holly Baxter. <laughs> I like that, actually. So there's our title. So now we're, now we're going provocative titles. Yeah, now we're going provocative with titles. So I'm being That's yeah. great. Um, Go ahead, Dean. <laughs> I was going to say, we kind of already alluded to this, but if someone wants to consume all your information and kind of your thing, how to get you, how to find you, how to coach you, how to hear everything you got to say, where do they find you and what's the best way to kind of get in touch or learn? Yeah, of course. Um, I think most of my social media is um, pushed through YouTube, which is uh, my YouTube channel is just Holly Baxter uh, and my uh, Instagram, which is Holly T. Baxter. Uh, I put a lot of stuff or put a lot of energy into those two social media sources. Um, if you're looking for specific information about my uh, client coaching programs and training packages, uh, as well as some free information articles, you can find everything on my website, which is www.hbnutrition.com.au. So um, that is a very valuable tool. Uh, but also, um, obviously, I'm also uh, the director of nutrition at BioLane. So, um, Dr. Lane Norton has a fantastic website, which is just www.biolane.com. Uh, we have a fantastic membership website on there, which gives you articles, blogs, um, live webinars, um, very frequently updated um, articles and publications. 
Um, so yeah, there's, there's so much stuff available on his website as well. Oh, that's great. Let's make sure that we put the website links in when we release the episode. We don't do a, um, a show notes, like a lot of podcasts end up with a whole show notes thing, but, uh, mm-hmm. like we had Robbie Farlow on here and he basically gave up his podcast after 200 episodes because he's like, <laughs> well, if someone's going to go and do all these show notes, which takes a lot of work <laughs> and busy schedules, but we try to get the key information out there. So we'll make sure we include those and let's get yeah. a, a link to your macro friendly ebook on there. So we'll be releasing this one. Well, people listening to it now, but it'll be about mm-hmm. two weeks from now when, from the date of recording that we'll release it and then we'll, yeah. set, we'll set it all up. So guys, Perfect. thanks for uh, st- tuning in and listening to Holly. This was wonderful. Holly, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate no, it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, that was really fun. Well, God, I wanted to show uh, our audience uh, what you had to say. And because we've had a lot of guests on who are part of your, you know, immediate yeah. world. And network. Mm-hmm. Your network. And these are some of the best. If, if some of your listeners, let's say they're listening to our podcast for the first time because you shared it on your social media, guys, like mm-hmm. go check out Sohi Lee's episode. I think it's about the seventh episode we did. This yeah. will be about number 32 when it comes out, but go back and check mm-hmm. out Sohi. These episodes are not dissimilar. Uh, this one pairs really well with what Sohi had to say. Mm-hmm. If you like Dr. Mike Isertel, his is the eighth one we did. And we just recently released Dr. Spencer Nadolsky, number 30. And these are all really amazing episodes that will go really well with what you just heard here. If you want to see more of what we're doing. And if you like that, right. maybe you'll subscribe or share. And uh, <laughs> thanks to our uh, longtime listeners for uh, continuing to support us. Guys, thank you. Perfect. Take it easy. Great. Thanks so much, guys. Shut up and sit down.